listeners. Listen, I've got some exciting things I want to share with you tonight. Uh, and I, I just believe it's going to be one of those providential moments where there's something that's going to be said tonight. It's going to be the catalyst for launching you forward into your way of living. We've had so many uh, testimonies. And today's just Wednesday. I kept thinking that it was it was later in the week because we've gotten so many testimonies from people um, who were just saying that they were so uh, inspired by the testimony Pastor Sean and I were sharing on Sunday about our life and about what God did for us uh, when we took him serious uh, where the tide was concerned. Uh, someone told us uh, earlier today, Pastor Sean reported that someone in our ministry, a virtual partner, uh, who got a $10,000 raise. And she was just saying, I can't thank you enough for all the teaching that you guys have been doing. And you know what? The reality of it is, if your life gets changed for the better and you become a blessing to someone else, that is thanks for Pastor Sean and I. That is, that is, that, that is the way you can thank us. You can thank us by taking this word that, that we labor for. We get before the presence of God uh, to get a word to share with you. Uh, and, and yes, a word for us to live by too, but we're constantly seeking God about our partners. And when God shares this word and you take it and it becomes reality in your life and your life becomes better, that is the thank you. So let's do this real quick. If you are if you're watching this broadcast right now and you are ready to receive the word of God tonight, I need you to type in the comment section right now. I'm ready. Go ahead and let me see it. I, I need to see about, uh, what is it, about 40 of you on here right now. I need you to be saying, I'm ready. I'm ready. Listen, I'm anointed to teach this tonight. And what we used to always say when we were in person is I would say, I'm anointed to teach this. And all of our partners say, I'm anointed to receive. Because listen, if I'm anointed to teach and you are anointed to receive, something supernatural is going to happen in your life. So as you're typing that in the comment section, or you're, as you're saying, I'm ready, go ahead and give some hearts, some likes, share the broadcast, tag our partners, Listen, I'm telling you, there are people, and, and I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is. It's the enemy, that people are getting lax where the word of God is concerned. And that is nothing but a trick of the enemy because he wants to lull people to sleep. He knows that we are on the precipice of, of, of God doing some amazing things in the life of the partners who are connected to his word. That's not just that Fellowship of Champions. That's all over the world, people who are connected to his word in his driving the gates of hell insane. And they are they are amping up uh, this, this, this lackadaisical attitude in the saints because they want to lull them to sleep. But it won't be so for us here at Fellowship of Champions. So if you're ready to receive the word, I'm ready to teach the word. We'll go through the announcements at the end. You saw them as they were scrolling through at the beginning. So I won't take time doing that. I want to get right into what I want to talk about tonight. So here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how do we prosper during a time of financial crisis? Why do I keep talking about financial crisis? Because I told you on May the 31st, I was driving back from central Arkansas and the Lord began to say to me, I need you to prepare the saints. I need you to prepare the saints. And I know that anytime God begins to say that to me, it is because he is trying to get us to be prepared so that we don't end up like the world when whatever is coming comes. 
The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will give us insight and revelation into future events. God does that by leading us with his word. And so tonight, there are four key points that I want to make sure I touch on tonight. Four key points. And uh, usually I have somebody in the studio who's doing a little um, notes and stuff for me. I don't know if I have that tonight. Listen, you just listen to it. You can go back and listen to it over and over and over again. Whatever you need to do to make it happen, you can do that. All right. So here are the four things I want to make sure that we talk about tonight. Number one, I want to talk about the key to facing a financial crisis. There is a posture that you have to have uh, in order to become victorious. There is a posture that you have to have in your life. There's a mentality you have to have. Uh, you talk to sport, at, to sport athletes and they'll tell you all the time that it doesn't matter what the score is. As long as there's time on the clock, they feel like they have an opportunity to come back and win. So I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what may happen to you. I don't know what your current financial situation is. I don't know what's on the horizon. What I know, though, is that you can be prepared today to face whatever is coming. The second thing is I want to talk about the one thing that you should not ever do during a financial crisis. And the reality of it is it is what most people do. And it is the thing I believe that keeps people in a perpetual state of lack. Number three, I want to talk about how to raise your level of faith, how you raise your level of faith, even when everything around you seems to be falling apart. Because here's what I've noticed. And I know it's true for Pastor Sean, because we talk to each other and we talk to each other about other people talking to us, that people think that they're in faith until they're faced with a challenge. But once they're faced with a challenge, then they start to, to fear, they start to worry, they start to doubt, they start to question whether or not what God said is true. I want to teach you how to raise your level of faith so that when tough times come, you don't fall into that process. And then lastly, I want to talk about how to live in God's supernatural cycle of provision. Go ahead and type that in the comments. Say, God has a supernatural cycle of provision. See, why do I say it like that? A lot of people think that God is sitting back and he's waiting for you to be in some financial trouble so that you can go to the altar and you can cry out to him and you can lay on the altar, you can fast, you can pray, you can decide now you want to be a tither, you can decide now you want to be a giver. And then all of a sudden God does something to just bless your one problem. That is not God's best. God's best is for you to live in a cycle of provision. What does that cycle of provision look like? It looks like you always receiving and you always giving. That God is supernaturally exceeding whatever you're giving. He's matching it double. He's matching it triple. He's matching it a hundredfold so that you become in this place where you're living in a cycle of always giving uh huh, and always receiving. Yes. Always giving, always receiving, always giving, always receiving. And we're going to talk about what the enemy does to try to trip you up to get you outside of that cycle. So as I begin tonight, there's two particular scriptures uh, that I want to share with you. There's two particular scriptures that I want to share with you. And the first one comes from Second Chronicles. Uh, 20 and 20. And before I share that scripture, most of you know this story. It is the story of Jehoshaphat. 
is the story of Jehoshaphat. And what we know about Jehoshaphat is that Jehoshaphat was a leader uh, of Judah. And in this particular story, the Bible said was it was all of these different people. It was the uh, the Moabs, the Amorites, and, and and several other groups of people who was coming against Judah and coming against Jehoshaphat and the people he was leading. You could go ahead and read the story. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat did what we should always do whenever we face any kind of crisis. The Bible says he turned and asked God what he should do. He turned and he asked God what he should do. And as he was asking God what he should do, he called a fast. All the people got in line with the fast. The Bible says that they sought God and that God gave them an answer. He didn't just give them an answer, though. He gave them an answer through a prophet. The Bible says, if you look at that scripture, it says that the prophet uh, Jehelah Jehel came and it says that he was the son of, 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 of Zechariah. And he stood up and he said before all of the people uh, in Judah, he basically said it like this. He says, listen, God has spoken. He says, and God says, you will not have need to fight in this battle because the battle is already won. The Bible says they went to sleep. They got up early the next morning. And I like what Jehoshaphat said to his people. Here's what he said to them in, in 2 Chronicles 20 and 20. He says, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. He said, but believe in his prophet, believe in what this prophet has said to you, and you shall prosper. You shall prosper. I am beseeching you on tonight that you not only listen because I'm teaching, because I'm pastor. I want you to hear me from a prophetic standpoint. God wants to do something supernatural, exceeding your every thought and imagination where your finances are concerned. I'm telling you, he wants to do something supernatural. He wants to exceed every thought and every imagining you have about your finances. Now, you have to understand that anytime that is the case, the enemy's always going to try to show up and apply pressure to you so that you give in to the pressure. Now, my track record is good. Pastor Sean's track record is good. Fellowship of Champions track record is good. We have never taught messages in which we try to manipulate the people and get you to, to give us something so that we would teach something to get something for you. On the contrary, we are like, like the Apostle Paul. The Bible says that in the book of Philippians chapter four, that when the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to them, that he basically went on to say to them, look, he says, from the time that I left you and from the time I went on to Macedonia, he says, no one gave to me so that I could do this ministry. No one gave to me so that I could do this call. He said, the only person who did it was you. He said, in fact, when I was in Thessalonica, he said, you didn't just give to me one time. You gave two, three, four, several times. He says, and because of the generosity of your giving, he says, I am now full. But I want to actually read this because there's a key point that Paul says to only the Philippian church that I want you to see tonight because it's going to tie into how you prosper during times of financial crisis. So in verse 15, here's what he says. In verse 15, he says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, 
He says, not one church shared with me. He says, in the matter of giving and receiving, he said, except for you only. Verse 16 says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, he says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Verse 17 says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. He says, rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness and it be credited to your account. Verse 18 then says, at the moment I have all I need and more. He said, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Ephroditus. He says, they are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And then in verse 19, notice what he says here. He says, and this same God, and this is what I want you to see. This same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches who have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now notice this. He says, and this same God, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ. Why is that so important? Because if you if you look here, you will see that the only re that the reason Paul says this to the Philippians church is because they were the ones who made the decision to partner with God to do what God needed done. We were talking about this on Sunday and I was sharing some things with Pastor Sean that we'll share on, on Sunday. But I was saying that one of the things we got to get believers to understand is that when God gives us something, we are not owners of it, but we are stewards of it. And the Philippians understood that. They said, hey, God needs ministry work to be done here. He's telling us to support it. So we're going to take our resources. And what we're going to do is we're going to support this ministry over here and do God's work. The Bible says that in doing so, that they literally gave themselves out of poverty. They gave themselves out of poverty. So tonight, I want us to take a look at the word of God, and I want to see, I want us to see what God says concerning this idea of how to prosper during a financial crisis. Stay with me because I have a wonderful testimony that I got about two hours ago that I want to share with you uh, for, for uh, one of our partners who, who we've never met in person, but she's been listening to the broadcast for, she said, about eight months and, and I want I want to share with you uh, something that happened in her life based on something she did just on Sunday. OK, so let's get into this. The key to financial breakthrough, the key to your financial breakthrough and what you need in your current financial difficulties can be found in Scripture. I'm a firm believer that too many people do not read the Bible. I am a firm believer. Hear me. I'm going to say it again. There are too many believers who do not read the Bible. And because they do not read the Bible, they are in a deficit of what God has promised because God has contained his promises in his word. 
And because God has contained his promises in his word, if you don't read the Bible, then you don't understand what's been made available to you. And so tonight I want to talk to you about what has God done? What system has God set up so that you and I never have to suffer from whatever economic crisis may be on the earth? Why am I talking about this? Because I am telling you that in the next six to 12 months, there are going to be opportunities that you're going to need to pull back on what I'm teaching tonight. You're going to need to put into practice what I'm talking about so that you don't come to financial ruin. These are the things that I have for years wouldn't talk about. I would talk about them only with my close friends. I wouldn't share them. I wouldn't really teach them because I never wanted people to say, oh, he's just teaching that because he's trying to get us to give something. No, 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 no. I'm like the Apostle Paul. I desire that fruit may abound to your account. And so I've gotten over what people are going to say. People are going to call me what they call me. People are going to do what they do. But Pastor Sean and I have decided there's one thing you won't be able to call us, and that's broke. You won't be able to call us broke. You won't be able to call us sick. You won't be able to call us depressed. You won't be able to call us divorced. You're not going to call us any of those things because we have found out how to track God in his word. How do you do that? By reading his word. And so I want to take a look at this first scripture. It's Proverbs 11. Proverbs chapter 11. And I want to take a look at it out of the Amplified. Here's what it says. It says, there are those who give generously. They scatter abroad and yet they increase more. He says, but then there are those who withhold more than is fitting. He didn't say they did. They did. He's not talking about giving everything away, but he's not talking about holding everything. He says they withhold more than is fitting. In other words, they don't obey God in their giving. He says, or what is justly due? What's justly due? The tithe. He says they don't tithe and they don't sow when they have opportunity to. He says, and what happens is it tends only to want. It tends only to want. But then he says this. He says, the liberal person shall be enriched and he who waters, watch this, shall himself be watered. Why is that important? Because I told you on Sunday when Pastor Sean and I was teaching this, we told you that God has three purposes for why he gives believers resources. One is to establish his covenant. We said, number two, it is so that he can promote his kingdom. And number three, we said it is so that he can bless humanity through us. He says, so the liberal person, the one who goes about giving generously, the one who doesn't uh, withhold more than is fitting, the one that doesn't withhold what is justly due, he says that person is a liberal person and as a result becomes enriched. It says, and he who waters shall himself be watered. In other words, here's what he's saying. Withholding leads to poverty, but release is the key to increase. So notice we've been saying this all year. It's the year of release. It's the year of release. It's the year of release. But let's be honest, the last almost six months when people have been hearing that, what they're thinking oftentimes is what is God releasing to me? What is God going to send to me? 
What is God going to give me? Give me, Lord. I'm ready to receive. Give it to me. I'm ready to receive. Yes, he says this is the year of release. It is the year that you're going to learn how to operate in the principles of God where releasing and receiving is concerned. He says withholding leads to poverty, but release is the key to increase. Somebody ought to just go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say my release is my key to increase. My release is my key to increase. The more you release, the more you will increase. And I know that that sounds antithetical to what is natural, but the Bible says, and Pastor Sean was saying this on Sunday, God uses literally the, the things of the wise to, uh, to, to confound those in the earth. He uses those things that, that are foolish to confound those who think they're wise. But this, but this releasing and receiving is wise according to kingdom. It's wise according to kingdom. My release is the key to my increase. Now, how do I know that that's Bible? Well, we've been saying it uh, for, for months. Look here. Psalms 125. Verse five through six says this. It says, they that sow or plant in tears shall reap or harvest with shouts of joy. It then says, but he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing or planting their precious seeds, he says, shall doubtless come again and return with what? rejoicing, bringing his harvest with him, bringing his harvest with them. The scripture we've been using literally the entire time since, since November, since we start talking about this year of release, he's saying it right here. He says, they that sow are plant in tears. Listen, I understand. I get it. Pastor Sean was sharing with you the testimony about what happened to us uh, New Year's Eve going into 2000. And listen, if you don't think what we had to do while we were sitting in Reunion Arena was difficult, then you've never had to pass a giving test. Because I, as a husband, was thinking about all the other things that we needed to do with that money. But I also knew that what we was doing wasn't working and that we had to be willing to do something else. If we wanted a different result, we had to do something different because the classic definition of insanity, and you know this, is to continue to do the same thing, but expecting to get a different result. And so when Bishop Jakes asked for that special offering, and, and we, we talked about it on Sunday, he asked for a dollar for every age that we were, uh, for everybody in our household. And, and, and so we got, we got our money together and we did it. And on top of that, that was our special gift. But then on top of that, we made the decision that we would do and we would give what was justly due. We read that in scripture early. We said we're not going to rob God of the tithe anymore. And since that time, God has been walking us through the process of how to prosper no matter what financial crisis we have faced. And yes, we have faced some financial crisis since 2000. Everything has not been roses. Everything has not been easy. But just like we said on the previous broadcast on Sunday, every year God has done more for us than we would have been able to do had we kept operating in the way we were operating. Hear me tonight. 
In times of adversity or financial difficulty, the very first reaction of the natural mind is to cut back or conserve. It is what every financial analyst in the world will tell you to do. If you don't have enough, cut back. If you don't have enough, see where you can stop spending in some area. See where you can hoard what you have. But that goes against what the word teaches. And tonight we're going to walk through and see why it is that it's so natural for us to fall back into this state of doing it the way that the world does it. In the lives of the vast majority of Christians, one of the first areas in which they cut back is their giving to God. When unexpected emergencies arise or there is a decrease in their income or their savings start to shrink, the very first thing that they start withholding is their tithe and offering. I am telling you tonight, I don't know exactly what your situation is, but the tithe and your offering is the thing that rescues you during times of financial difficulties. You can look in the Bible. You can see it all across scripture. Every time someone was in a financial crisis and they needed something, they always sowed a seed or they had sown a seed that they were able to remind God of that brought them out of financial difficulty. Understand this, the worst thing that you can do when you are having financial difficulty is to stop your giving, to withhold your tithe or your offering, to stop fulfilling your pledges and commitments to what you have told God you would do, to stop partnering with God or with the projects that he wants to accomplish in the earth. Remember, we told you that God wants you to partner with him because there are things that he needs to get done in the earth and he needs a man who is willing to partner with him in order to get it done. The moment you begin to worry about your finances is the moment that you open yourself up for financial defeat. I'm going to say that again. The moment you begin to worry about your finances is the moment you open yourself up to financial defeat. Satan will always try to field your mind with fear, with worry and doubt. And if you keep your eyes on the circumstances, you will stop giving to God, which in turn block the flow of God's provision in your life. How do I know? Because I lived it. I lived it. I lived the life saying, you know what? I'm going to give to God when I get X number of dollars saved. I'm going to give to God if I can get this bill paid off. I'm going to give to God when I get a raise. I'm going to give to God if I can just make more money. And every single time when I got close to meeting my goal, something would happen and it would take away everything I had been working for. Why? Because I had no financial protection because I was operating outside of God's system. Now, here is the here is the cycle that the enemy wants to get you into. And this is what I want you to see. I want you to understand how plain this is. Here is the cycle that the enemy wants to get you into. The first thing the enemy wants to do is he wants to bring debt to you. He don't care how it comes. He just wants to saddle you with debt. Why does he want to saddle you with debt? Because the Bible says to owe no man nothing but to love him. So he wants to bring you something that's going to contradict that word in your life. And if he can get you to get into debt, and how does he get you to get into debt? I said this the other day, God is not responsible for financing your promises. He's only responsible for financing what he has promised. So the enemy, what he wants to do is to get you outside of God's will so that you will accumulate debt outside of God's will. He wants to saddle you with debt 
Because if he can saddle you with debt, then he can hit you with fear. Now, why is fear so important? Why, why is it so important that he, that he hits us with fear right after he settles us with debt? I was talking to God about this as I was working through all of this. And God said, he kind of gave me an illustration. And I, and I think it makes so much sense. He says, fear is like marinade on, on the food that you cook. And I said, okay, well, what, what, is, what does that mean? And he started walking me through the process of how whenever you're going to prepare food, let's say that you're going to, you're going to, to cook chicken even. Well, you know how you prepare marinating. You put the, the chicken in the marinade and the marinade gets inside of the chicken and it gets all inside of it and, and all of the juices and all the seasoning. It, it, makes, it, it makes the chicken taste like the marinade. He said, that's what the enemy does with fear. He wants you to sit in fear. And so I went and I looked up this definition and it made so much sense because it says fear is an unpleasant emotion. Now, you know what we talk about emotions. Emotions are fleeting. They can change in an instant. You can be happy. You know, I watch I watch videos on TikTok sometimes and they'll have all these pranks. Uh, where people are pranking somebody and people will be crying. And then all of a sudden they say, oh, it's just a prank. And then they're laughing and they're mad all at the same time. Emotions are fickle. Fear is an emotion. It's fickle. And that's the reason the enemy needs you to have time to sit in it. He wants to marinate you with fear. It says fear is an unpleasant emotion that is caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, is likely to cause you pain, or is a threat to you. And so that's what the enemy does. He wants he wants you to be terrified. He wants you to be in fear. He wants you to sit in that emotion. Why? Because if I can sit you in that emotion long enough, if I can get fear to marinate every part of you, then fear will translate from being emotion to being a state. What is the state of fear? The state of fear is what we call worry. He wants me to move. It's a cycle. He wants me to move from debt to fear, to worry. Why? Because worry is a state of anxiety. Whenever you are anxious, you're unstable. It's a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. And, and, and anxiety gives way to unease and it allows a person's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles rather than solutions. Y'all don't miss this. The enemy wants to settle you with debt so he can get fear into your life so you can function in this irrational emotion. Once you are functioning in this irrational emotion long enough, it becomes a part of you, just like the marinade becomes part of the chicken that you're soaking it in. And then once that happens, you go from being in an emotional state to an actual state of being. It becomes who you are. Worry becomes who you are. You worry about everything, things you can control, things you can't control, things that might happen, things that could happen. You become an absolute mess. And once the enemy has you in that state of worry, then what he does is he can go to work on all of the word that you receive because he takes you from debt to fear, from fear to worry, from worry to doubt. Why does he want to possess you with doubt? Because watch this. You go from an emotional state to a state of being. You go from fear to worry. And then the next thing you do is you don't just go to a state of being with doubt. Doubt takes your state of being to action. Here's a definition for doubt. Doubt is the state of being uncertain 
which causes the action of pausing or hesitating before doing something. The enemy wants you to be in this cycle. He wants you to be fearful. He wants you to worry. He wants you to be in doubt. Why? Because when you are in doubt, you hesitate. You know, I love Marvel movies. And one of my favorite Marvel movies is Black Panther. And in Black Panther, one of the one of the, one of my favorite scenes is when the Black Panther's sister tells him, don't hesitate. And he responds to her, I never hesitate. Understand in the kingdom, we ought not ever hesitate. Whatever God tells me to give to, whatever God tells me to put my, my, my efforts behind, whatever God tells, tells me to show up to, whatever God is asking me to do, I don't hesitate. Why? Because if I hesitate, it is indication that I am doubting. That's why God says that he is unwilling to do without a prick, a quick prompt to do giver whose heart is in his giving. He's not looking for the hesitators. He's looking for those who will never hesitate. The enemy wants you to be in fear. He wants you to be in an emotional state. He wants you to be in worry. Why? Because he wants that to be your state of being. Because when you are in worry, you can't see anything but difficulty. You can't see anything but problems. You can't see anything but how everything's going to turn out bad. You can't see solutions. You can't see answers. You can't see victory when you're in worry. And when you live in that state of being long enough, it begins to wear away at the word that you have received. And now you find yourself doubting whether or not God will do it or at least will he or at least whether he will do it for you. Somebody put in the comment section, say, I will not doubt God. I will not doubt God. That is the cycle that the enemy wants us to be in. He wants us to be in this perpetual cycle where we are always in fear, where we are always uh, worrying, and we are always in doubt. And the reason that we complete this cycle is because we continue to hesitate. Because now, watch this, once I've hesitated, that means I'm thinking about two things. And the Bible says you can't serve two masters. It says you're going to love one and hate the other, or you're going to hate the one and love the other. So if the enemy gets me in fear and I marinate in it, and then I get into worry and it becomes my state of being. And now every time he's asking me to move, I'm doubting him. That means that now I go to the next cycle, which is I have gotten my eyes on the circumstances that's perplexing me. What happens when you get your eyes on the circumstances that are perplexing you? Well, we see it with Peter. Peter was literally on the water. He says, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. The Lord said, well, there ain't nobody but me, so come on. The Bible says that Peter starts walking on the water. He is violating natural order based on the word. If Peter can violate natural order based on a word and walk on water, I can violate natural order and not succumb to financial pressure based on a word from God. The Bible says Peter was walking on the water and then the enemy did the same thing to Peter that he wants to do to us. He caused fear to come. How did he get fear to come? He started letting the wind blow. He started letting the lightning strike. He started letting the thunder roll. And the Bible says that when that happened, Peter started to worry. 
Because in Peter's mind, he started saying, wait a minute, a natural man can't walk on water. Maybe what I saw wasn't God. Maybe it really was a ghost. Now I'm out here. What am I going to do? And once he started worrying, it became his state of being. Once it became the state of being, now he started to doubt. What is he doubting? The word that God had just gave him. He said, it be me. He said, Lord, if it be you, then bid me to come. He said, come. That was the Lord's word. But fear and worry translated into doubt and it started wearing away at his mind. And then he got his circumstances off of God. As long as he was looking at Jesus on the water, he didn't sink. But when he got his eyes on the circumstances, he began to sink. The Lord said to me, it's the same process the enemy uses to get us to forfeit being in financial stability when everything around us is crumbling. He says, don't pay attention to the lightning. Don't pay attention to the thunder. Don't pay attention to anything. If I've told you to do this, don't doubt. Trust my word. But see, in the natural, what happens is we say, well, I believe in seed time and harvest. Oh, but now I lost my job. So I don't believe in seed time and harvest no more. Or I believe in seed time and harvest, but lumber prices have gone up and I got to build a house. So I don't believe in seed time and harvest no more. I believe in seed time and harvest, but now grocery prices have gone up. And you know, them teenage kids of mine eat so much, God. So I got to cut back on my giving. And so now the enemy has got you trapped in this cycle of fear and worry and doubt, putting your eyes on your circumstances. You stop giving to God. And then that final state is you close heaven off to you. You close heaven off to you. And when you close heaven off to you, even though God wants to be good to you, he can't violate his principles and be good to you just because of you. And so the question becomes, Pastor, how do I prosper during a financial crisis? Don't stop giving. Don't stop obeying. Don't stop believing. If you will do those three things, anytime you face a financial crisis, you can see your way out. You are never without an answer. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say, I'm never without an answer. I am never without an answer. I always have an answer because I always have God. Understand this. To break out of this cycle of financial debt, this cycle that the enemy have you in, you have to be able to cast out all fear. The Bible says perfect love cast out fear or perfect love cast fear out of doors. You got to know that God loves you so much that God would never ask you to give something to his kingdom and then make a mockery out of you for doing it. You got to know his love that well, that if God says, give it, I'm going to give it and trust and believe that however he needs to bring my financial breakthrough to pass, he's going to do it. The natural mind tells us, stop giving until your finances improve. Stop giving and you will have more to meet your financial obligations. But Pastor Sean and I was saying this on Sunday. We know for a fact that even right now, we live above a level that either one of our income sources could ever make us live at. We always have. Why? Because God is able to do more with the 90. 
And whatever, and whatever percentage he asked for after that, then you could do with the whole hundred. And I know that the world, the, the, the world wants to say that's crazy. The world wants to say that doesn't make any sense, but we're not in the world. We're in the kingdom and the kingdom has ways of operating. In fact, we, I, I'll say this and then Pastor John and I will expound on this on, on, on Sunday, but, but it fits here. I was saying to her the other day, I said, I, I think I heard the Holy Spirit say something. I said, and I need you to, to, to confirm whether you think this goes along with what God says or not. I said, I was, I was talking to God about, about this season that we're entering into and how, we, how, do we, how do we get people to understand that hoarding what they have is going to lead to their detriment. I said, God, I can't, I can't make people believe, believe me. I can't make people believe that what I'm saying you said to me. How do I convince them that, that, that what you uh, are saying in this season is for them and, and, and not to try to get something from them? And the Lord said to me, he said, tell, he said, here's what you got to understand. He said, in the kingdom, people who prosper will understand this concept. And that is in the kingdom, I own everything and I make them stewards. And anyone in the kingdom who decides to become an owner is a rebel. And I said, wait, 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 wait. He says, anybody who thinks they own anything in the kingdom is a rebel because in the kingdom, the king owns everything. And he allows whom he will to be steward overall. He says the only fractional ownership that you have is what I give to you. But at any moment I ask you to disperse it, your job is a steward and not an owner. He says and owners are the ones who end up suffering financial ruin. And so I started reading some things and Pastor Sean was like, that resonates with me. And she started walking through all of these scriptures and some of them we'll talk to you about on Sunday. But here's the thing you got to understand. In the kingdom, you don't own anything. So whatever God asks you for, it's your pleasure to give it. You don't own anything. Whatever God asks you for, it's your pleasure to give it. An owner is a rebel. Because the owner says, I own something outside of the king. But inside of the kingdom, the king reigns. And a benevolent king will allow you to live like a king without owning a single thing. Y'all better hear me. A benevolent king, who, which is who God is, will allow you and I to live like kings, even though we don't own anything. And so anytime that God is asking you for something, God is asking you for something because he wants you to participate in his cycle of supernatural provision. And he wants to break you out of Satan's supernatural uh, uh, financial attack on your life. You, you don't want to partner with Satan. You want to partner with God. Jesus says this in Luke 6, 38, and it makes so much sense when you think about it in this context. He says, give. And it shall be given unto you. He says, you give and then I'm going to give to you. And the way it's going to be given, it's going to be given good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. And he says, shall men give unto your bosom? In other words, God is going to use a man, someone in the earth, some system in the earth. 
He's going to cause that system to be a blessing to you when you participate in his system. In God's cycle of supernatural provision, he takes what you give and he multiplies it. He multiplies it so you have increase of more than what you had had you not been a steward over what he had given you. And as you re as you give, not only are your needs met, but he gives to you so that you can go around being a person who meets the needs of other people. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 and 10. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 10, it says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances in whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. And God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing. Notice this. God says, I'm such a good king. I'm going to give you resources. And over time, I'm going to need some help in distributing those resources other places. He says, and when you partner with me and you start to give those resources to the places that I have instructed you to, my trust level in you is going to grow. And as my trust level in you grows, I'm going to give you even more so that you can become a blessing to even more people. He says, and as I'm giving you more to be a blessing too, I'm also going to give you more that you can enjoy. He says, because I want you to continue to practice in this system of seed, time, and harvest. I want you to practice being a sower. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you that when you face a financial crisis, Satan's strategy is always to cause you to withhold from God so that you can short circuit God's cycle of supernatural provision so that he can bring you into the vicious cycle a financial defeat. Satan doesn't want you to be a person who is able to go about dispensing good. There's a scripture in the Bible and it says, it tells a story uh, of a poor man. And it's an interesting story because the Bible says that these people in a particular village was facing a crisis and the crisis they were facing, no one could solve it. No one had the answer. But the Bible says, but there was a poor man who came up with the solution and the poor man came up with the solution and the poor man gave them the answer. And because he gave them the answer and the solution, they all survived. But nobody knew his name. Nobody knew the poor man's name. The Bible calls him a poor man and doesn't even say his name. Why? Because God wants you to be a person of influence. God wants you to be a person of influence. Well, I don't want to be a person of influence. I just want to be over here with me and my four and no more. That's not kingdom mentality. Kingdom mentality says I'm willing to be out front. Kingdom mentality says I'm willing to be a leader. Kingdom mentality says God make me in charge. The Bible says that the righteous, that, that the people rejoice when the righteous are in authority. Understand the righteous rejoice when money's in the right hands. When money, you, you can you can look at people who are wealthy, uh, who go about doing good. I, I, I use Jeff Bezos' ex-wife uh, as an example. She's been giving away her billions 
Now, she, she didn't give away all of her money, but she's been giving away billions and, and, and she's been giving away with no strings attached. You don't think that's a kingdom mentality, even if she's not in the kingdom. She's going to benefit because she's gotten hooked up with the principles of the kingdom. You might not have billions, but did God ask you to buy somebody's lunch? You might not have billions, but did God say, hey, I want you to buy so-and-so some flowers? You might not have billions, but did God say, hey, I want you to cash out so-and-so-and-so. You read their status and they seem uh, uh, to, to need some. Send them this. Have you, you, are, you are able to participate and receive the same benefits as someone who gives away billions because it's not about the amount. It's always about the obedience. It's always about the obedience. So how do I prosper during a financial crisis? One of the major keys you must remember is to always be willing to sow seeds according to God's promise. I must be willing to sow seeds according to God's promise, not according to my circumstances or my natural ability. I'm going to say that again. One of the major keys to always being able to prosper, even during times of economic or financial crisis, is you must be willing to sow seeds according to God's promises. What do I mean according to God's promises? According to God's instructions. Pastor Shannon and I say this all the time. It's why if you ever come to our church and you get to come in person, you won't see no $1,000 line. You won't see a $500 line, a $250 line, a $100 line. We don't believe those lines are necessary because we don't believe people get blessed off their amounts. We believe people get blessed off their obedience. Obedience is the fire starter in the kingdom. It's the thing that ignites the switch in the kingdom. It is based off your obedience. How do we know this? The Bible says that Jesus was watching the people give an offering one day. And while he was watching them give an offering, he saw all kinds of people give all sorts of amounts. But the Bible says it was the widow who got his attention, that the widow gave her widow's might. And he literally said she gave more than everybody else. Why? Because she gave out of her lack. Pastor Sean said it like this. She said, if you were given $20 when you were in college and now you're making $150,000 a year and you're still giving that same uh, $20, if that's not what God has told you to do, God's told you to give more, but you're comfortable just giving the 20, you're not being obedient to God. God wants to test. Listen, God doesn't test you. I tell people this all the time. God doesn't test you. God wants you to test you. He gives you an opportunity to see so, so that you can see what you believe. Because it's easy to say you'll do anything for God. But then God says, hey, you know that money you were saving for, for vacation? I want you to sow that. I, I, I want you to bless somebody else. The money you've been saving for vacation, I want you to take that and I want you to sow that so that somebody else who hadn't had a vacation in five years can go on vacation. He doesn't do that to test you. He does that so you can test you. He wants you to see what's inside of you because sometimes you don't know what's inside of you until pressure is applied. Oh God, I'm a giver. People say that to us. Oh, I'm a giver. 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 Until they have to give something that makes them uncomfortable. You're not a giver because it's easy to give. You're a giver when you do it in spite of the uncomfortability. In spite of the fact of how it makes you feel, 
That's when you know that you are operating in kingdom. When it's time to give and the giving causes you to stretch. It causes you a little pressure. Understand this. We see this with, with, with Isaac. In, in Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 through 14, the Bible says this. It says, Isaac sold in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him and the man waxed great and the man went forward and grew until he became very rich. Why was that important? Because if you read this story, the Bible talks about how Isaac was 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 on his way to 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 to, to, to sow uh, down in Egypt. But the Bible says that God, the, 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 he was he was actually on his way to the city of uh, Gerar. And, and, and the Bible says that the Lord spoke to him and said, don't go down to Egypt. Don't, don't, don't go down to Egypt. You need to stay where you are and you need to plant. But Isaac had to have been like, now, Lord, you're telling me to plant in the time of famine because there's a famine going on. You're telling me that I need to to sow right here. But God, don't don't you don't you see nobody sows. When there's a famine, let me help you. Nobody sows when, when, when gas prices are going up. Nobody, nobody sows when groceries are going up. Nobody sows when, when people are on the precipice of losing their jobs. Nobody sows during that time. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter 26, verse 3, it says that God appeared to Isaac and he told him, he says, do not go down to Egypt. He says, but stay in the land. It says, I will be with thee. Now notice, God says, even though there's a drought, I'm going to be with you. He says, I'm going to bless you. He says, for unto thee and unto thy seed, I will give you all of these countries. And the next thing says, Isaac obeyed. Isaac obeyed. Understand something. When God gives you an instruction, it doesn't matter what it looks like. All you need to do is obey. Everything in the natural would have told Isaac he had to be out of his mind to plant seeds during a famine. He needed to save those seeds so that when the conditions got better, he could sow those seeds and reap a harvest. Some of you, that's how you interact with God. I'm not going to sow right now. I'm not giving to the scholarship fund right now. I'm not giving to the ministry now. I'm not sowing into the pastors right now. I'm going to save this. And when things get better, then I'll give because then I can get a harvest. But Isaac said, God, I'm just crazy enough to obey you. I'm just wild enough to believe that if you told me to plant in a parched place where there is no rain, where the ground hadn't been tilled, where the sun has been blazing, I am crazy enough to believe you and I'm going to do it. And the Bible says that in doing so, he reaped a hundredfold harvest. Why? Because he did not look at the dry places. Somebody tell, write that in the comment section. Say, I do not look at the dry places. I do not look at the dry places. Why? Because if you look at the dry places, you will not sow. The Bible says if you consider the wind, if you consider the circumstances, when God asks you to do something, you won't do it. Why? Because you will pause. You will hesitate. 
Why? Because you will be in doubt. Why will you be in doubt? Because you spent so much time in worry. But how did you get into worry? Because you spent so much time in fear and that emotion of fear rather than trusting and believing God. Understand this. The Bible literally says that Isaac became so rich. You have to read the story. I don't have all the time tonight, but you got to read the story. The Bible says that because Isaac obeyed God, that he became so rich that King Amalek asked him to leave his country. <laughs> Understand, he obeyed God. God blessed him so much. The king said, man, can you get away from here? You are making us look bad. Somebody said, well, I've never read that before. Genesis 26 and 16. Genesis 26 and 16, he says, go from us, for thou art much mightier than we are. I'm telling you, I said this the other day. And I, and, I, and I mean it just the way I said it. It is time for the people of God to be envied by the world and stop being pitied by the world. We saw it with Isaac when he sold, even when there was dry times. I'm telling you, I don't care what your life is looking like today. You can get a word from God concerning your financial situation. And if you will obey God the same way that Isaac sold and received a hundredfold increase in the land in that year, you can too. God is no respecter of persons. Now is your time. Now is your season for you to live like a king. I believe with all my heart that God is ready to release an end time financial anointing upon his people. Let me say that again. I believe within my heart that God is ready to release an end time financial anointing upon his people. His hand of provision is going to be on his people and it might as well be you. It might as well be you and you and you and you. It might as well be you, our virtual partner. It might as well be you, our virtual partner. It might as well be you, our local partner. It might as well be you. You might as well make the decision. I am sick and tired of living in this state of either not enough or this state of just enough. It is time to go to the next level of more than enough. Now is the time for your financial breakthrough. The time when God will command his blessings upon you, your family, your children, your business, your career, and everything that you put your hand to. But it's going to begin with what we were talking about on Sunday. Somebody's got to say, you know what? I'm just willing to trust God. I'm just willing to believe God enough. Understand, I want to give you a quick testimony before I go. I got a testimony, a pretty long one, from a lady who, who's a virtual partner. She said that she's been watching us for about eight months. She says she doesn't even remember how she came across the broadcast. She says, but somebody sent her a link uh, and she started watching it. She said, and I just like the way that both of you, uh, you and your wife, were teaching together. She said, I had never seen that before. And, and y'all was just, just talking the word. She said, it seemed like I was sitting in y'all living room just, just hearing y'all teach the word. She said, and I started watching y'all for, for, for about eight months. She said, and, and, and recently I felt uh, like the Lord told me I needed to start back tithing again. And, and she said, but you know, she said, I have to be honest. I, I just thought maybe I was just being emotional when I watched y'all teach because, you know, when I didn't do it, I, I didn't think about it for the rest of the week. She said, but I want you to know that on Sunday, 
when your wife was praying and you guys started sharing your testimony about not skipping a tithe, she said, I made the decision that I was going to be a tither. She said, and I, 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 she said, I don't, she said, as soon as I said it, she said, tears just started flowing down my face. She says, and as I was sitting there crying, she said, I felt like God told me not to wait, but to do it right then. She said, so I went to, to your app. She called it an app. She said, I went to your app and she said, and I gave for the first time in like five years. And the first time in five years, I gave my tithe. She said, and I told my husband about it. And she said that, that, that we got an agreement. She said, and your wife was talking about people getting houses. She said, and we had been looking for a house for over a year. She said, and we've been turned down three different times. She said, and I want you to know that I just started saying, and, 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 and I guess I don't know she said this in her thing. She said, I just started saying what God did for Pastor Sean in her house. You know, I live there too. She said, what God did for Pastor Sean in her house, God did do it for me. And she said in, in the thing she was writing, and I'm summarizing because it was long. She says that basically she was like, okay, God. I'm going to go and, and, and see if we can get a loan for a house one more time. She said, because we've been turned down three times and, and nothing significant has changed. You know, our credit history, you know, we've been paying all of our bills the last year. So some negative stuff has dropped off, but we're pretty much where we are the, the last three times we got turned down. And this is where the story gets good. She said that on Monday morning, after she had tied, this is her story. After she had sent her tithe in, she was asking God what bank she should go to. She said that God told her, and this is what she said, God told her two banks. She said she asked the Lord which one she should go to first. She said and she believed that the Lord told her to go to this particular bank. She's in Colorado. I don't know if I said that. She said that she went to this particular bank. And when she went to this particular bank, she said she went and she asked to see the loan officer. And they told her that the loan officer was not in. She said, okay. She said that when she went there, she kind of got a little sad because she was like, okay, I picked wrong. She said, but then she said, no, nope, I'm going to go to the other bank because I'm still believing God. And the thing I like about that part of the story is now there are going to be opportunities when you think God said something and you're going to do it. And it may not come out exactly like you, like you think. But don't give up. Don't give up. She said she went to the next bank. And when she went to the next bank, it was a much larger bank. It was like one of those. It was a Bank of America. but It was one of those big branches like that. She said that she went in and there was a lot of people there. And she finally got somebody and she said, hey, I, I want to talk to somebody about about buying a house. And they said, OK, you're going to have to wait. We've got several loan officers who can talk to you, but they're with other people. She said while she was sitting there, a lady walks by. She says that she had her mask on and the other lady didn't have her mask on. And the lady kind of walked by and they kind of caught eyes. She said, and the lady stopped and turned to her and said her name. She says, come to find out the lady who walked by her was someone she had went to college with and had not seen for 10 years. She said they just started talking and was catching up. And the lady finally said, well, well you know, what, what are you waiting on? And the girl was like, she was kind of ashamed to tell her, but she was like, well, honestly, I'm here to talk to a loan officer because me and my husband have been trying to get a house for the last year. We've been trying to get a house for the last year, and I want to talk to one of the loan officers. The woman says, you want to talk to a loan officer about a house? And she says, yes. 
She says, well, you do you not know my husband is the vice president of the lending office for people who want to buy houses? He's upstairs. I just came from bringing him his lunch. She then says the woman then takes her. She, she didn't wait for an appointment, takes her upstairs, introduces her to her husband and says, this is my friend from college. She's looking to get a house. She says they have some small talk. And, and the man is like, okay, well, you know, you know, let's get some information, blah, blah, blah. The woman, she says, the woman tells her husband, no, you need to get her approved for a house. The woman says that she looks at the woman who looks at her husband. The husband looks at the woman who wants the house and says, okay, but we're going to have to get some information. The wife looks at the husband and says, no, you're going to need to get her approved for a house. Her and her husband need a house. She says, everybody needs to own a home. The woman looks at the woman who's talking to her husband and the husband says to her, okay, we're going to get you approved. What kind of house are you looking for? The woman says she told the man what kind of house they were looking for. The house was like $225,000. The man asked her about her income, asked her about her husband's income, asked to pull their credit. She said, yes. He pulls their credit. He says to her, we can approve you for up to $250,000. Writes her a letter of approval that's good for 30 days and tells her to go find a house. That happened from Sunday Till today, well, it happened on Monday. She wrote the email and told me today. I am telling you, she's not the only one. In the midst of difficult times, God is able to do supernatural things in their life. And it's not just going to be for her. It's not going to be just her. There are, you may not need a house. Maybe you need a car. Maybe you need to go back to school. Maybe you need to pay for your kids' college. Maybe you need to pray for pay for private school. Maybe you need to do repairs on your home. I don't know what you need, but what I do know is that you will get in agreement with God. If you will do whatever God say, maybe you're already a tither. Maybe God says, hey, I want you to do X. I want you to do Y. I want you to do Z. All you have to do is obey God. Pastor Sean said this is going to be a five to one season. We've been declaring this is the year of release. It's not just releasing to you. What are you going to be brave enough to release? What are you going to be brave enough to say, I'm tired of holding on to these scraps, trying to build my own life. God, I am ready. Ask me for what you want. Let me prove myself, God. And if you do that and you become proficient in that, you can be like Isaac. You can be like everybody else in the Bible who, when God asked them to sow, they sowed and it came back to them in an abundance. Why? Because the enemy has a cycle. It is fear. It is worry. It is doubt. It's getting your eyes off of your circumstances. It's stopping your giving and then closing heaven. God has a system too, but his is so much more simple. It is seed time and harvest mixed with obedience. Every time God says, I want you to get up and pray. That's a seed. God says, I want you to, I, I, I want you to, 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 to be a blessing to someone. That's a seed. All God wants to do is to find a conduit so that he can get you what you're believing for. 
Pastor Sean said he only wanted her to tie so he could get. That's it. That's the only reason he he wanted to, he wanted them to have the house. He wanted them to have the house a year ago. He he wasn't like no, you can't have one. He's like I just need I need to impress upon you enough that you will actually get involved with my system so what I have in entrustment to you can be yours. Because the house already belongs to you. It was entrusted to you before you were ever born. Everything you ever need for life and godliness has been placed in a trust with your name on it. I just need you to live according to the parameters of the covenant. Because when you live according to the parameters of the covenant, now everything that has been granted to you can be yours. It's why the Bible says it like this. It says that no matter how old you are, if you are not mature, then you are always going to be under the tutelage of governors. He says, you can be, you can be the king, but if you're six years old because you're, you're young, you're going to be under the tutelage of those governors, even though you're king. He says, but when you become mature, he says, now you can handle the things and the responsibilities that come with all the other things that I want to give you. I came by to tell you tonight, simply this. I don't know what kind of financial situation is on is on the horizon. What I do know is that every time I read my word, I'm seeing somewhere where God is providing for his people. Every time I'm trying to study something, I'm seeing where God is providing for his people. And I have learned in over the last 21 years how to track God enough to know that if God keeps talking to me and keeps showing me his provision, it is because it's going to be a time we're going to need it. And let me just say this as I close. It's a whole lot easier to learn how to trust and believe God before things are going crazy. It's a whole lot easier to trust and believe God before things are falling down all around you. It's a whole lot easier to understand God's system while things are good, while you're employed, while you have enough to eat, while you have a, a, a car to drive, while you have shelter. And even if you don't have all of those things, now is the time to learn how to track God so that whenever financial disaster or financial or economic crisis is coming, we be the ones who don't have to suffer through it. So if God has been talking to you about your giving, I implore you, obey God. Don't wait, obey God. He's just looking for a conduit. He's just looking for an opportunity for a way that he can bless you. Why? Because he wants to be good to you. He wants to give you the kingdom. Listen, God's not trying to trick you out of anything. I'm not trying to trick you out of anything. I don't even, I, listen, I don't tell people what to give. I don't tell people how, even when I really, really want to say, hey, I want everybody to give $1,000 to the scholarship. I need a thousand people to give a thousand dollars or 10,000 people to give a thousand dollars. That's what I want to say. But I don't say that. What I say is ask God. Why? Because I don't want you to give a thousand dollars and there's no blessing on it. I'd rather that you give a dollar and be out of obedience to God and receive an abundance credited to your account. So you don't have to worry about this ministry trying to say or teach something to you that's trying to get something from you. We're trying to get something to you. And what we want to get to you is everything God has in entrustment to you. 
And I'm telling you, today is today that you can make that decision. You can make the decision today. You can say from this day forward, from this day forward, I'm a tither. I give what is justly due to God. I give God what's his. And I am a sower. I am a person who is willing to give and go and sow generously abroad, even if I have to do it and it makes my heart flutter sometimes, even if I do it and I feel like I'm choking when I do it because I understand that I may do it in tears, but I'm going to be rejoicing when my harvest comes. And if you will learn to do those things, if you will learn to increase your faith and your trust in God, it's about the little things. I trust God for this and God comes through. I trust God for this and God comes true. My Bible, my Thompson Chain Reference Bible that I have right here, it's old, it's got the pages worn, but there are so many places in this Bible that if you start to read it in the little marks, you'll see something that says T-T. All throughout my Bible, it says T-T. There'll be scriptures, T-T. What does T-T mean? It means tried and true tried and true. I track God. I've seen God show up in my life in times of great financial difficulty and rescue me and my family. I've seen God allow us to do things that we should have never been able to do. We talked about the house, but the house is just one simple thing. It's been so many other things that God has done, how God provided, even in times when I didn't have a job. That is the reason that I tell people not having a job is not a determining factor of whether or not you you can have. How do I know? Because I've been there before. I've been, I, I've been without a job before. I've been without work before. And I've seen how whenever I kept giving and honoring God, he kept giving to me. And I'm saying the same thing to you, that you have to prove out God for yourself. And if you will prove out God for yourself, if you will trust God, if you will be a person who God can trust, be if you become the person who God is unwilling to do without, I don't care what financial situation may arise in your life, God will see you through. Amen. Listen, if y'all if y'all received that, go ahead and put just go ahead and say in the comment, I believe I receive. Go ahead and say, I believe I receive. I believe I receive. No more satanic cycles for me. I believe I receive. No more lack in my life. I believe I receive. I Today, I, I will never be as broke as I am today. Every day is going to be an increased day for me. I'll never be broke another day in my life. That's not just a slogan. That's my state of being. I'll never be broke another day in my life. All of my needs are met. Everything I need, I have. I don't have a need. And my wants are coming day by day. All of my needs are met and my wants are coming day by day. No more satanic cycles for me. I'm done. I, I, I'm living according to the kingdom. Seed, time, and harvest is my mechanism for financial fortune. Seed, time, and harvest is my mechanism for financial fortune. And I'm not going to be ashamed of it. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. The, the, the thing that God is even using right now to still break me free, because even though it's not even that hot in here, but I'm sweating preaching this because I know my flesh is like, what are people going to say? What are people going to say? But you know what? Here's what I know. And, I, and, and when God said this to me, it made so much sense. 
God will let every single person live at whatever level they're comfortable at. God will let every single person live at whatever level they are comfortable living. Whatever level they're comfortable living, God will, God will love them and let them live there. But I got some folk on my team, we're not staying here. I guess I got some partners out there in, in, in these 50 United States and across the world on these other six continents. And I am telling you, we are going to live a life that's going to be envied by the world. Not, no, no, not so we can stud on the world. No, 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 because we are going to do those three things. We are going to establish God's covenant. We are going to promote his kingdom and we are going to be a blessing through humanity. And you can't do it being broke. You cannot do it being broke. And so our broke days are over. Go ahead and say that and then you can go ahead and get off of here. Say my broke days are over. I need about 70 of y'all. Yes, about 70 of y'all all here. I need you to go ahead and type that. My, if you ain't bold enough to type it, then you don't deserve to be to, to be rich. You don't deserve to be lavish. You ought to be typing that right now as hard as you can. My broke days are over over. Fellowship of Champions, I love y'all. God bless y'all. Y'all know the announcements. On Monday is Pastor Sean. Tuesday is prayer. Wednesday is Bible study. Thursday is Ignite. Friday is Champion Circle. You rest on Saturday. On Sunday morning, we worship with Pastor Chris and Elder Valley, and then me and Pastor Sean are going to come back. And listen, we are fixing to start digging up some of these erroneous thinkings about wealth. You're about to see. The Bible says that if you believe God, you'll be established. But if you believe his prophet, you're going to prosper. We're about to start saying some things that's going to make some of you feel a little uncomfortable. But if you hang in there with us, the next six months, I'm telling you, your life is going to change. There's going to be a financial difference between January and June as it is to July and the end of December. Why? Because God is looking to release everything that's been in trust for you but he needs you to participate in his system. He needs you to participate in his system. Amen. Listen, thank y'all for joining with me. Thank y'all for hanging in there. I knew I was going to go about uh, almost 90 minutes. I didn't quite do that. So that's good. Pastor Ralph will be back next week. But listen, I love stepping in. I love being able to teach this because this is what I'm studying right now. When Pastor Sean and I, you know, she posts those pictures when we're out walking, man, this is stuff we're talking about. This is the stuff we're talking about because God wants to do so much for his kids, but his kids need to act right. <laughs> and I don't just mean act right like in behavior. Our mindset needs to be right. Our actions need to be right. And the enemy is working overtime to get us to buy into his cycle, but we're not going to do it. Amen. All right. Love y'all. God bless. Y'all have a great uh, night. See y'all on Friday morning. See y'all on Friday morning at 630 Champion Circle. Um, Passion is on here. You got something you want to say, Passion? You on mute, I believe. 
Hold on a second. I know you're working through this thing and you didn't want to say it, but the truth of it is, is that there are people who need to sow into you. And I remember being on the other side of that. I know why you're sweating. I understand all of that, right? But there are people who need to sow into you because they're, the Bible says if you, if you bless the prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. And the reality of it is, is that just because you sow something to Fellowship of Champions, we don't take your tithe. That's not what we do with that, right? So if you were blessed by this word today, I'm challenging you to demonstrate your faith by sowing into the man of God who just taught this word to you. And I know that you didn't want to say it. I saw you sweating and everybody who's watched me do this on strategies for success knows this, but you, 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 you know that part of this is that you have to tell them that part of it is communicating to you. Yes, that is true. No, now it's, 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 it's not something that I'm, I'm disagreeing with at all. It is true. And I understand it and I do it and I participate in it. And God is working with me to become more bold about sharing with people why it works. But I believe there were some foundational things I wanted to teach. But yes, there, there is a benefit when you receive word that changes your life and you sow into those to those individuals. The Bible says that, that the lesser is blessed of the greater. That's what the Bible says. And we saw that with Abraham. When Abraham uh, got ready to, to tithe or to sow, he sowed into Melchizedek. But they said that Melchizedek was, was the, the prince of Salem. He had no beginning. He had no end. He didn't need nothing. But he understood intuitively what it meant to sow into someone who allowed him to get victory. And so, yes, you're right. So someone said, how can we sow besides cash app? If you sow, if you use one of the regular methods of sowing, put in your line for giving that is for Pastor Strick. And this is really, really important because I believe this is what the enemy has done. First of all, babe, you preach your face off today and that beard looking good, man. That beard is looking good. You just want but to I do. You listen, I think it's so important because the people who really have integrity around this subject. We have been quiet about telling people to sow because we don't want people to think that we are community. We're trying to hustle them. And then what happens is that many times the people who are doing it from a manipulative state, they're out there being loud while we're being quiet. And if we're really going to rectify this thing, then not only do we need to teach them what we do, we need to give them opportunities to do it. That's true. I learned from the best. You're my pastor. You're right. I'm I'm about to go. See y'all. God I'm bless y'all. Listen, love y'all. Y'all have a great night. Y'all be blessed.